Dear Fellow Shareholders, Once again, I begin this annual letter to shareholders with a sense of pride about our company and our hundreds of thousands of employees around the world. As I look back on the last decade, a period of profound political and economic change, it is remarkable how much we have accomplished, not only in terms of financial performance, but in our steadfast dedication to help clients, communities, and countries all around the world. In 2018, we continue to accelerate investments in products, services, and technology. For example, for the first time in nearly a decade, we extended our presence in several states with new Chase branches. We plan to open another 400 new branches in the next few years. In addition, we started a new digital investing platform, U-Invest. We launched our partnership with Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway in healthcare. We broadened our commitment to create opportunities for jobs and prosperity and reduce the wealth gap for black Americans with Advancing Black Pathways, announced in February 2019. And we launched our Advancing Cities initiative to support job and wage growth in communities most in need of capital. While it is too soon to assess the impact of these efforts, we are seeing terrific results so far. 2018 was another strong year for J.P. Morgan Chase, with the firm generating record revenue and net income, even without the impact of tax reform. We earned $32.5 billion in net income on revenue of $111.5 billion, reflecting strong underlying performance across our businesses. Adjusting for the enactment of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we now have delivered record results in eight of the last nine years and we have confidence that we will continue to deliver in the future. Each line of business grew revenue and net income for the year while continuing to make significant investments in products, people, and technology. We grew core loans by 7%, increased deposits in total by 3%, and generally grew market share across our businesses, all while maintaining credit discipline and a fortress balance sheet. In total, we extended credit and raised capital of $2.5 trillion for businesses, institutional clients, and U.S. customers. In last year's letter, we emphasized how important a competitive global tax system is for America. Over the last 20 years, as the world reduced its tax rates, America did not. Our previous tax code was increasingly uncompetitive, overly complex, and loaded with special interest provisions that created winners and losers. This drove down capital investment in the United States, which reduced domestic productivity and wage growth. The new tax code establishes a business tax rate that will make the United States competitive around the world and frees U.S. companies to bring back profits earned overseas. The cumulative effect of capital retained and reinvested over many years in the United States will help cultivate strong businesses and ultimately create jobs and increase wages. For J.P. Morgan Chase, all things being equal, which they are not, the new lower tax rates added $3.7 billion to net income. For the long term, we expect that some or eventually most of that increase will be erased as companies compete for customers on products, capabilities, and prices. However, we did take this opportunity in the short term to massively increase our investments in technology, new branches in bankers, salaries, we now pay a minimum of $31,000 a year for full-time entry-level jobs in the United States, philanthropy, and lending, specifically in lower-income neighborhoods. For reference, see chart. Earnings, 
diluted earnings per share and return on tangible common equity, 2004 through 2018. For reference, see chart. Tangible book value and average stock price per share, 2004 through 2018. As you know, we believe tangible book value per share is a good measure of the value we have created for our shareholders. If our asset and liability values are appropriate, and we believe they are, and if we can continue to deploy this capital profitability, we think we can continue to exceed 15% return on tangible equity for the next several years, and potentially at or above 17% in the near term, assuming there is not a significant downturn. If we can earn these types of returns, our company should ultimately be worth considerably more than tangible book value. The chart on the bottom of the opposite page shows that tangible book value anchors the stock price. For reference, see chart. Bank 1, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. Tangible book value per share performance versus S&P 500 index. In the last five years, we have bought back almost $55 billion in stock or approximately 660 million shares, which is nearly 20% of the company's common shares outstanding. In prior letters, I explained why buying back our stock at tangible book value per share was a no-brainer. Seven years ago, we offered an example of this. If we bought back a large block of stock at tangible book value, earnings and tangible book value per share would be substantially higher just four years later than without the buyback. While we prefer buying back our stock at tangible book value, we think it makes sense to do so, even at or above two times tangible book value, for reasons similar to those we've expressed in the past. If we buy back a big block of stock this year, we would expect, using analysts' earnings estimates, earnings per share in five years to be 2 to 3% higher and tangible book value to be virtually unchanged. We want to remind our shareholders that we much prefer to use our capital to grow than to buy back stock. I discuss stock buybacks later in this letter. For reference, see chart. Stock Total Return Analysis While we don't run the company worrying about the stock price in the short run, in the long run, our stock price is a measure of the progress we have made over the years. This progress is a function of continual investments, in good and bad times, to build our capabilities our people, systems, and products. These important investments drive the future prospects of our company and position it to grow and prosper for decades. Whether looking back over five years, 10 years, or since the J.P. Morgan Chase Bank One merger approximately 14 years ago, our stock has significantly outperformed the Standard & Poor's 500 Index and the Standard & Poor's Financials Index. And this growth came during a time of unprecedented challenges for banks, both the Great Recession and the extraordinarily difficult legal, regulatory, and political environment that followed. J.P. Morgan Chase stock is owned by large institutions, pension plans, mutual funds, and directly by individual investors. However, it is important to remember that in almost all cases, the ultimate beneficiaries are individuals in our communities. Well over 100 million people in the United States own stock, and a large percentage of these individuals, in one way or another, own J.P. Morgan Chase stock. Many of these people are veterans, teachers, police officers, firefighters, retirees, or those saving for a home, school, or retirement. Your management team goes to work every day, recognizing the enormous responsibility that we have to perform for our shareholders. In the first section of this letter, 
I try to give a comprehensive understanding of how we run our company, including how we think about building shareholder value for the long run. In that section, I highlight our strong belief that building shareholder value can only be done in conjunction with taking care of employees, customers, and communities. This is completely different from the commentary often expressed about the sweeping ills of naked capitalism and institutions only caring about shareholder value. In the second section of this letter, I comment on important forward-looking issues. While we remain optimistic about the long-term growth of the United States and the world, the near-term economic and political backdrop is increasingly complex and fraught with risks, both known and unknown. And we face a future with less overall confidence in virtually all institutions, from corporations to governments to the media. The extremely volatile global markets in the fourth quarter of 2018 might be a harbinger of things to come, creating both risks for our company and opportunities to serve our clients. The third section of this letter is about public policy, specifically American public policy, which is a major concern for our country and therefore our company. Again, I try to give a comprehensive multi-year overview of what I see as some of our problems and suggest a few ways they can be addressed. One consistent theme is completely clear. Businesses, governments, and communities need to work as partners collaboratively and constructively to analyze and solve problems and help strengthen the economy for everyone's benefit.